everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Careers in Science. The purpose of this interview series is to hear from college students and professionals in various fields of science and learn about their path to getting where they are now. We are hoping this will help your exploration in various fields of science. My name is Anisha Kumar, and I'll be hosting this interview session. Today, we'll be speaking with Dr. Anand Patel. Dr. Patel is a licensed clinical psychologist currently working at Montefiore Hospital in Pediatrics. Dr. Patel sees kids ages 5 to 21 for short-term therapy and also sees new mothers and fathers with infants 0 to 3 years old as part of the Healthy Steps program. Welcome, Dr. Patel, and thank you so much for doing this interview with us. I am so excited to hear um, about your experiences. Well, thank you for that wonderful introduction, and I'm very excited to help other kids. You know, maybe my experiences can sort of, uh, you know, guide some of the decision-making that some of these kids have to make over the next few years. Yes, thank you. Um, so I wanted to just get started with, um, like, what, what, can you give us a little run-through about, like, what a psychologist does, like, a day in the life? Sure. Well, first of all, psychologists are, it's a very general term. There's different kinds of psychologists. Like I'm a clinical psychologist. So my focus is primarily therapy and working in a clinical setting with various mental disorders and helping patients uh, sort of understand their symptoms and, and get through them through a therapeutic relationship. Um, there are developmental psychologists that do a lot of research. There are just a lot of, there's a Psychology itself has a very big research component. So there's a lot of people in academia that do a lot of research studies and, and things like that. So you kind of have the clinical aspect and the research aspect. But I'm more on the clinical side. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So what motivates you to keep going and remember why you chose this profession? Like what's that like motivational factor when you're, when you're doing your job? Well, you know, it's been a, a long journey and I've been at Montefiore now for a year, but I've been seeing kids uh, and families for about three or four years. And I, I'd say it's when you see um, how powerful the, the connection that you form with these families and these kids, like how powerful it is in terms of like shifting their own trajectories in life. You know, sometimes they could be in a rut, they could be really stuck in one position and not sure which way to go. And then through our connection and, and sort of that, that sort of like, I'm almost like a guiding force to help them sort of out of that rut. And then when I see them just form new trajectories that are full of happiness and stability, it's like very fulfilling and motivating. So it makes me want to go back and do some more of that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, wh what do you think the future holds for the field of psychology? What do you think the future holds for the field? Well, you know, this is a great time to be asking that question, right? Um, I think if you had asked me this probably six months ago, I would have been like, well, you know, it's pretty stable. There's always going to be some mental health needs in society. But after a pandemic, I definitely feel like our field now is going to be vital to helping people cope and adjust to the new normal. So going forward, uh, there's going to be a lot, lot more emphasis on mental health prevention, um, how to cope, uh, just daily life, how to, uh, and they're going to turn to psychologists with experience and training in helping people through that. So I think it's, it's a very positive outlook for our field right now. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, what other developments in the future are you, are you excited about? In terms of developments, um, definitely the, the research wing is, is powerfully uh, embedded in academia. So we have a lot of 
future studies on how to um, maintain ourselves and prevent um, mental disorders in life. So I think that just generally, there's a there's a lot of developments happening in, and we're being more accepted by the medical field. And so there's a lot more opportunities to collaborate with uh, researchers and, and coming up with really good data, you know, to guide our clinical work. So it's, it's a very positive future. What skills are required for psychologists? Like, are there any like characteristic traits that are critical? Oh, yes. That is a great question. I think in clinical psychology, um, it's very important. I mean, the first and foremost important trait, I think, is empathy, right? I mean, you've got to be able to put yourself in the other person's shoes. That kind of can be something that is nurtured and grown in, in training, but you should kind of already have that going in, right? And then being able to sort of like um, have a kind of a social confidence, Social confidence is not easily available. Some people just need time to get there. But once they get there, being able to be confident with a patient and it kind of helps form that relationship a little bit stronger. Uh, being able to manage your emotions. I think that's another very vital, important, vitally important trait. Um, sometimes we hear things that are very shocking, jarring, traumatic experiences that nobody else has really gone through. You may not have gone through, but if you can manage your own emotions, then you can really hear what they're trying to say and, and really connect. And then finally, being calm under pressure. This is a big part of our field. I mean, you hear about doctors in an emergency room being able to be calm under pressure. My own father is an emergency doctor. So, you know, he's, he's got to be able to handle things in the moment, be calm and make decisions. Similarly, when I worked on an inpatient unit, uh, there were crises that happened and I, was a ha I had to like stay calm, be rational, make the right decisions so that everybody can be safe. So I think that's important too, being calm under pressure. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so now I kind of wanted to shift gears and maybe talk about mm -hmm. your school days and like how you first got it, <laughs> how you first got it. Um, interested in like psychology. I think you said that you started off with pre-med, like those kind of things. So I, I wanted to start off with a really like light question. What was your favorite subject in school? Well, I mean, just thinking about these things brought up a lot of memories from the old days. I, I was so not invested in pre-med, psychology, nothing. The earliest times I can think of was like middle school when, um, I think it was around the time the space shuttle Challenger blew up. I, I can't remember. There was a lot of things going on with NASA at the time. And I really found myself drawn to that. And I was like, my favorite movie was Space Camp. I mean, if anybody hasn't seen it, you got to see it. It's from the 80s, but it's, it's a great movie. I, I religiously watched it and wanted to one day be an astronaut. I, um, even in high school, I, I pursued physics. I read a lot of books on, on uh, planetary physics. But the thing is, you know, the journey started there, but it fizzled out. And so when I look back, it's like, it's interesting how I ended up here when I was, you know, planning to be out there in the stars. Mm -hmm. um, but there was a lot of influences uh, at the time. And I think, you know, when I look back, it's like I didn't, I didn't sort of block out those other influences. I just sort of went with the flow. And, and so, you know, when I look back, it's like, wow, how did I not become you know, an astronaut or a physicist. That was, that was really the core beginning, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and did you, like, what kind of extracurricular activities did you do in high school? Was this tailored to your interest in, like, um, in, like, being an astronaut? Or, like, did you, like, yeah. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. So there's a, there's a great leading lead, lead up to what happened. So I, I was really interested in, in physics and astronomy, and um, I read a lot of books, and I pursued lots of memberships at different organizations. But then, you know, my dad's a doctor. My mom's a doctor. It's like, they're like, come on, you need to start doing some extracurriculars. So I was like, all right, let me volunteer in a hospital, you know, over the summer. Let me uh, assist my dad with his billing, you know, do things that are sort of like, so I was all, almost on two tracks, but shifting now towards what they wanted me to do and what they felt was the right thing to do, pursue medicine. So I kind of, I think that kind of fizzled out my whole physics future. And sort of now I'm like, okay, pre-med, Let's, uh, you know, let's see what these, let's, let's see what these experiences are like in the hospital. Um, but then when I look back now, it's interesting because I, I, when I volunteered in the hospital, this was in 10th grade or 11th grade, I remember working in the palliative wing and uh, full of terminally ill patients. And I remember having, my job was to do friendly visiting, was, was to go and see these people who are on their deathbeds, you know, but were awake and just talk to them. And play chess with them, play cards with them, give them some company as they sit there. And now that I think about it, it's like, wow, I was kind of doing therapy in high school and I didn't even know it, you know, even though it was supposed to be for med school. But interesting how things are clearer, you know, years later. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. Do you regret not becoming an astronaut or you're happy with where you <laughs> You know, I, I think that, you know, for – you got to have the right set of ingredients in your life, not just your inside, you know, components. Like the inside components are passion, drive, interest. Those are good. You've also got to have sort of like exposure. Like I have a nephew right now in Houston who uh, luckily went to a high school that NASA had some connection with and got into some amazing program in college working with NASA scientists, you know, like if I had that opportunity, oh my God, that would have definitely taken me a different direction. But I was in Canada. I didn't really care about space. So I feel like, you know, it just wasn't the right ingredients for that, you know, and, and honestly, I don't regret not becoming an astronaut. I still love astronomy. I can still love it from afar, you know, and honestly, when you think about it, if we ever get to Mars, that's a long trip. They're going to need psychologists. How are they going to get through that? It's going to be emotionally draining. So maybe there's still a chance an elderly psychologist can still travel to Mars. And so the dream is still kind of alive. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, next question I have for you is what made you change your mind from pre-med to psychology when you're in college? Mm, yeah, this one, um, this was a, this, those were challenging times. So when I was in uh, high school, kind of picking my pre-med degrees and sort of figuring out where I'm going to go to college, we had a lot of family stress um, going on. And, um, and during that family stress, I found myself very calm and also very much of a problem solver. You know, I would throw myself in the middle of things and try to get people to get along and kind of a peacemaker. And so I think that's when the seeds started getting planted. And then I went into college with all these like biochemistry classes, very heavy on the chemistry and, and the lab experiments. And I found myself not as interested, you know, and then I took this elective in developmental psychology and that just blew my mind because not only was it really interesting, but it also informed my problem solving work with my family 
And so now I started feeling like, wow, this is, if there was a career in this, I should, I should look, look into it. And voila, that's when I started, uh, you know, doing lots of research, you know, into like careers in psychology and then, you know, starting to plan like, okay, how am I going to present this to my parents? This is going to be tough. You know, I even, you know, the old days PowerPoint was still there. So I made a PowerPoint for my dad and I gave him all the salary projections and the, you know, the stability of psychology and, uh, you know, bottom line is they weren't convinced, but they also supported me and let me do it, which I think was great. And, uh, I stuck to it. You know, I didn't, I didn't give up on it. I was, I left my country and I left Canada just to pursue this and I haven't come back. So <laughs> I think I made the right choice. And was that like transition difficult? Like, like meaning like in college, like shifting your courses, like was it in circles? Like, was that very like difficult for you? Very challenging, very challenging. I think that um, what really got me through is that I, uh, I was um, president of the Indian Students Association. So I had this sort of social circle that I had that was supporting me no matter what I did. They weren't judging me if I switched careers. They weren't all in there. They couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. Some were in business, some were in this, some were in that. They were more, we were all kind of connected on the fact that we're in college together and we got to survive this somehow. So having that social network really got me through the most difficult times when my parents, my family wasn't really supporting what I was doing. They were supporting me. So then I had to negotiate, okay, how am I going to switch to another college? How am I going to transfer credits? Who do I talk to about this? I really didn't have any psychologists in my family, you know, very foreign sort of Indian profession, psychology. So, um, you know, I had to kind of reach out to my professors. And I think that's important when you're in college, having relationships with your professors, trying to pick their brain on what to do next really makes a difference. So, and then, then the decision came, like, let me go to New York. Let me get, get out of Canada. There's more possibilities, you know, for a future in, in America. So that's when, you know, I made that huge leap and left. And, uh, you know, I definitely grew up because of it. It was a great experience. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's must've been tough, but you know, yeah. Here, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> so. so yeah, it was really cool to hear about your experiences. Uh, now I want to shift the questions again um, and kind of, like tailored towards maybe like some things that um, the audience might want to hear about. So the first thing is, I know you mentioned that you helped a lot of high school students, like through uh, choosing their career and like, you know, choosing mm -hmm. what they wanted to do and like going through the college process. Um, so what are the steps that you think um, that kids have taken that helped them land on a solid career choice? Like, what do you think, what patterns do you see there? I think that uh, career choice, I mean, my, my whole life is an example of this. It's not, first of all, you don't want to over, you don't want to burden yourself with it. If you put pressure on yourself and start panicking, like, oh my God, four of my friends have already figured out what they want to do. And it's like 10th grade, you know, it, that's them. You know, you've got to focus and stay inward and introspective to yourself that you're going to figure it out. You just have to sort of take steps in different directions. So for me, the thing that I advise a lot of college, uh, high school students is um, start exploring some interests. Now, it could be interests that you're familiar and comfortable with, but also explore interests that are outside your comfort zone, that are risks that generally you wouldn't really lean towards or gravitate towards, but just try it out anyways. 
I mean, there was no way I knew that psychology was for me, but if I had been placed in that kind of an experience younger, maybe I would have figured it out earlier, you know, and it wouldn't have been a longer journey. But again, a journey is a journey, right? You just have to accept that you went through it. And so I try to help college, uh, high school students manage their anxiety over it. That's the first and foremost, because the anxiety will lead to irrational decision-making and then making decisions based on what other people want you to do or based on what's the best, the trending, you know, what is the trending uh, field right now instead of what's really good for you and your strengths and your weaknesses. Um, and, and so I often tell them to become introspective. This to me is a very important word that I didn't know about when I was young. But being introspective is being more connected to your thoughts, your feelings, your, your wants, your desires, and the things you're afraid of as well. And having that awareness that these are, this, is, this is what makes, makes you know, is my composition. This is what makes up, makes up who I am. And then also being able to separate it from what other people have thoughts and wishes and dreams for you and not letting them, you know, um, sort of pollute your thinking of yourself. So it's very hard to do because, you know, especially being in an Indian culture, our parents often are very important sort of like they, they're kind of like important parts of the decision making process and what we want to eventually do. But the way I like to see it and when I was writing this, it kind of like made sense to me was that they should really be like guiding lights, you know, like supportive guiding lights. You can go to them and they'll give you some advice and, and just sort of guide you. And you can either take it or not take that advice, but they really shouldn't be captains of the ship. I feel like if a person's really going to develop a passion and confidence in a career, it's important that they go through that process with their own decisions, you know? So that's kind of what I, what I do with, with high schoolers when I see them in therapy. And stemming off of that, sometimes um, people in high school, they either take like too many extracurricular activities or like they, they don't like mm-hmm. to do at all. How, how do you recommend people find that like balance and like take the right amount for them? Well, what I often describe to them is um, what, what happens if you do too many things at once, right? When you do too many things at once, you're not very connected to those experiences because your attention is divided amongst all those things. Imagine doing three things versus 10 things. If you do three things, your attention is more focused on those three things and, and it's not as divided up. So then you can really be present and in the moment with those activities. And if you're present and in the moment, you really get a sense of whether this is for you or, or if it's not for you. And I think what happens is a lot of high schoolers, they kind of get caught up with that competition vibe, you know, like we need to do this and we need to do that because that person's doing it and I want to make sure I get into the best school and all this stuff. But then what happens is when they overdo it, they just become more anxious. And the more anxious you are, the less connected you are to the experience itself. And then once you get into college, you're like, I don't even know what I got from these experiences. I still don't know what I want to do. So it really has to start with those early experiences, being mindful of yourself, being connected and day to day, how you're feeling, checking in with yourself, you know, and, and then, and then sort of like not overdoing it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people might not know what they're interested in and they may not have like, mm-hmm. you know, a specific like extracurricular that they want to do. And what do you recommend they do then? Like, are there any extracurriculars that help you like explore what you're interested in or what do you, what do you recommend? It's definitely a different world now, like with my own son and when I was a kid. I mean, we had limited numbers of camps and things like that to explore things. But one thing that I do see working in a hospital system is that 
out in society, there are opportunities for internships. Sometimes you can even create your own internship. It's all about that social confidence. If you can go to, I don't know, if you want to be a lawyer and you go to a law firm and you say, hey, I was wondering if I could be an assistant over here in the summer. They're like, oh, we don't have we don't have an internship program. No, no, it's okay. I, I just want to, I want to develop awareness and, and, and of what it's like to work in a law firm. And if you just give me some things to do and you start selling yourself to a person, they'll, they'll, they could give you an experience that you least expect it, you know? And on the other side, the traditional volunteer department in a hospital has tons of experiences that you can get. So finding sort of different areas where you want to work, like could be in finance and law, medicine, and then sort of exploring in those institutions, where can you get some kind of internship over the summer versus also doing, you know, um, your own exploration of things um, through, um, you know, I used to spend a lot of time in the library and just reading and sort of like learning. I mean, I was a knowledge geek. I loved to read. So that made a big difference for me too, you know, just being very connected to knowledge. That's, that's, that's what I would say. Okay, and what are the steps that you would recommend when people don't know what they want to do? Like, like they have no idea at all. What, would, what steps would you recommend to like find it? So um, there are some wonderful, um, I don't know, it depends on the school. Some schools have what's called a vocational assessment. Uh, I remember having to take that in high school where you would like uh, do this questionnaire and it'll kind of give you, it, it, it's all about the introspection. It gives you an, uh, it gives you sort of like a classified system of, things that you're good at or maybe good at and things that you should avoid. Right. So like I was good at helping people. I was good at a profession that involved, um, you know, um, maybe in a health setting, you know, these are things I got little feedbacks I got from the questionnaire that gave me some guidance on going one way or another. Uh, I think one of my friends was told that, yeah, he's good with his hands. He should maybe good in an engineering field. So those assessments are helpful. Um, even getting into therapy, you know, is helpful. It can be enlightening. You can learn a lot about yourself. You can learn a lot about, you can kind of explore this interest without judgment, which I think is so important. You know, so easy to like refrain from really telling our parents what we want to do because we're afraid of their judgment of what they might think. And so if you go to a therapist, it's totally non-judgmental. It's safe and secure. Your parents aren't going to know. And you can start really breaking down like what you might be good at. And when the therapist is just going to give you a lot of feedback on that. So therapy is a really good way to do it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so the next question I have is you touched a lot about like high school and what steps they should be taking. Um, what about like elementary and middle school students, not for careers, but just developing their interests, like at that point in like different things that they're, especially science, like how would you recommend they, they develop their interests then? We live in a technological world now. So there's so many, I mean, opportunities to um, develop interests in science. I was even watching some of your videos in PowerLearn. You have like this channel with all these cool experiments. I was telling my son, hey, let's do some of these experiments. You know, so um, I think for, for us growing up, you know, we went to the library every weekend. We went to museums. We um, went on trips that were scientific. I mean, my dad took us to Yellowstone when I was a kid and I thought it was boring then. But I think at the end of that trip, I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. That was, that was in the earth and it just bubbled up. That's pretty cool stuff. So it's like a lot of it is giving, as parents, you want to give your children indirect sort of influence by giving them experiences 
that are just wide ranging in science, you know, and it could be, like I said, like vacations, family vacations. It could be um, going to museums. It could be reading books together, doing experiments around the house together. I mean, I think those are the formative experiences that can sort of peak an interest in science at an early age. You know, I know for me growing up, I do remember this. My dad kind of, he didn't really get me a telescope. We got me binoculars, but we would look at the stars at night, you know, just when it was a clear night because we didn't have a lot of light pollution where we lived. So we could see things, you know, and so he was kind of promoting that indirectly, like by sitting with me and say, looking at that star and say, oh, that's Polaris, you know, let's look at it, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, and, and stemming off of that, how much influence should a parent have on their careers, um, on their child's career decision and like extracurriculars? How much of an influence should they have on those things? Yeah, so like I said, when we're younger, definitely, um, you know, parents are more involved in that indirect sort of giving of experiences to our kids, you know, and we hope that teachers do the same. We hope that our kids have friends that also stimulate interest, but really all we can control is our family experience. So as parents, you want to be a major part of those experiences at a young age. Um, but as they get older and they become teens, you know, that's when you want to start fostering their own thinking about their life and their decisions. You want to be more of the guiding light, less of the directing light, you know, you want to want to help them, but also you want them to think for themselves. So I think it's important to be there uh, as teenagers to help them. If they come to you and they don't know what to do, explore with them together, you know, look, go through their interests, go through different career pathways, explore it together because they're asking you for it. But if they're not asking you for it, I would just check in, see how they're doing. You know, uh, you know, it's 11th grade. Have you thought about college? What, what do you think you want to do with your life? Have you thought about it? You know, just ask questions. And if they'll, feel comfortable that you're not judging them and attacking them. You just want to know that's, that's fine. They'll tell you. And then you can work on that together if they, if they give you permission. So a little bit more, I think, removed when they're teens, still there, still providing guidance, but not so pushy, I think is the right word. Okay. And how do you recommend they like find that make sure they're not a little too, too much or like too little, like how do you recommend they find that balance? That's tricky. That is tricky. Uh, I mean, there's no magic formula, unfortunately, for teenagers because every teenager develops differently. Every parent develops differently. Um, and then the mixture of those two in a relationship also develops differently, right? There are some parents that are very anxious parents and therefore when they're worried when their child becomes a teenager that they're going to need to be on top of them and and they're because of that anxiety, it's driven by anxiety. And then they, they don't realize the impact that has on the relationship because then the teenager is going to sort of retreat and say, I can't handle this and I'm just not going to tell you anything. And then, uh, but then on the flip side, you also won't want to be a passive parent, right? You don't want to be sitting around and just sort of letting them do whatever they want and not guiding them or, or sort of um, checking in with them um, and just being a sort of passive person right? In that situation, you want to find that balance of like, uh, I want you to know that I'm here for you, if you need me. And then if there's something that I think is interesting to me, I'm going to share it with you, because that's what you do in a relationship. And you can either take it or not take it, it's totally up to you and not be judgmental if they don't, you know, so it is tricky. Yeah, for sure. Um, so high schoolers are increasingly getting competitive with schoolwork with like everything oh yeah it's, it's oh, yeah. incredibly stressful 
helpful too for like whoever's involved in like the competition. So how do you recommend high schools manage their stress when like for tests or like whatever? Yeah, so I get referrals like this from time to time. You know, I had a um, a kid once that was in high school at Stuyvesant in the city, and he, well, he really opened my eyes to the level of competition, the sort of degree that people will go to to be on top. And what I often found um, important with those types of patients was to really help them step back from that environment and sort of, again, become introspective about themselves. And, the, and I think the hard part in those environments is that, you know, you, you, as a kid, you're navigating this really competitive world where you feel like you can't trust anyone. And so it's so important to have that trusting relationship. Like, so they want to have a trusting relationship with me. I'm not in that world. So I can kind of guide them a little better than maybe the people that are in that world who are also looking out for themselves. And then secondly, you know, it's important, I think, to um, not, uh, like I had some kids who often took the bait, you know, when it came to competition, who would sort of get so uh, obsessive about being number one that it lost sight of what their future career was going to be about. It was, it was, they were so far removed from it, they needed somebody to help them take a step back. So it's very important. Self-care is very important at the, in a school like that, because you're going to be so easily influenced by so many different stressors. It's important to just be grounded into the moment of what you're doing and not get lost in, in that world of competition. It's, it's really tough. I mean, it's sad also because these are great schools and these are the leaders of tomorrow. And the last thing we want is them to be so stressed out when they're trying to figure out their future careers. And that's unfortunate. That's what it is now. Yeah, and what activities, like, like just to take a break from school, like, people can't do work, like, all day. So what activities would you recommend to just take a step, like, out of that and, like, let themselves take a break? Yeah, so we often do a lot of mindfulness activities with, uh, with kids uh, and teenagers. So mindfulness activities are just a simple sort of Buddhist idea of being grounded to the moment. And so using our senses to be grounded to the moment. So um, an activity that definitely doesn't involve, that involves more being outdoors, being more um, involved in an activity that uses your senses. So taking a walk, um, even cooking, um, just or listening to music, um, maybe even developing an interest in an instrument. I mean, these are all things you're not doing for a career. You're doing it for your own self-care. I mean, I have, I've seen adults that take the guitars to work because they want to do some work for 30 minutes and then play the guitar for 10 minutes. Why? Because they're trying to be mindful of the moment. They're trying to reset their brain. They're trying to stay grounded. And, and so I would suggest, you know, not working so many hours in a row and definitely creating some kind of balance by having an activity or doing an activity that just was very mindful and relaxing. Okay. Okay. That's great. Um, so do you have any like materials like, books or like websites or anything that you like, like really loved when it comes to like career interests or like in general, like science, like anything that you recommend? Well, I mean, we didn't have websites as much growing up. I mean, I'm not that old, but you know, I'm old enough. So a lot of my interest came from books and magazines. Um, so I was a member of the Planetary Society. I, I joined um, 
I definitely had subscriptions to Discover and Scientific American and all these other sort of wonderful materials. Like when you're a kid, that's all you need because it's not so scientific that it doesn't make sense. But it's it's also so full of like interesting ideas that it gets you gets your juices flowing, right? So um, I would say um, definitely finding things that are more sort of geared towards planting seeds, not towards like high science, high academic level stuff, which is really hard to understand until you're really in college. I would avoid those sort of periodicals, you know, and sort of focus on materials like that. I mean, in terms of websites, hmm, I'm trying to think of some websites that I've steered kids towards uh, in terms of careers. I'd have to, I'd have to look at that because I think a lot of times we, we try to we try to just do it together in the session and we don't really get caught up with like, where can I go? But I'm sure a lot of high schools have those resources, which, which probably they've used. Um, but I can't think of any off the top of my head right now, unfortunately. Sorry. Well, that's okay. Um, all right. So given where you are, what advice would you give to a younger you? <laughs> that, was, that was a great question. I don't know. That, I was, I was struggled with that one um, because I'm trying to remember what I was like at 10 years old. You know, I was definitely, um, like I said, at that time was a very big time for space and exploration and NASA. And, you know, we had the space shuttle fly to my hometown. I was, I grew up in Ottawa and I remember biking because I lived near the airport. I remember biking, trying to see it. It was, it was on top of a 747 and it was landing on the airport. And I was at the fence, like staring at it, like, whoa, that's so cool. So when I look back, all these little experiences I had, you know, the space shuttle with the Planetary Society, with like um, just stuff that I read, stuff that I did in class, I think I wish I would have been more grounded to those experiences. You know, I think I was maybe for some of them, but then eventually, you know, people's influences, school influences, there were too many other external influences that guided me away. And I think that if I could tell my 10 year old self, like stick with it, don't alter the course, you know, maybe, maybe I would have already been up in space by now. I don't know. Um, but it definitely would have been a different career path. Possibly again. I don't know because I am a people person also. So <laughs> who knows? <laughs> good question though. That was a really good question. <laughs> yeah. And what, like to wrap it up, what final advice do you have for kids that are really not so sure about what they're interested in, what they would like to do in the future? Like what like final closing advice would you have? Um, I think it goes back to my earlier advice. Don't panic. I think when we panic, we become irrational and anxious and we then sort of like lose sight of the journey. And we have to also respect the journey. I often tell this to early college students, you know, don't be so down on yourself if you're still not sure after first year college. I know it's been a long process to get to, but you know, everyone has their journey. There could be experiences that are just around the corner that are going to push you in one way or in another. A passion, you just need some time and patience to foster and develop. So just don't panic, be patient, and remember, it's just respect the journey. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Dr. On, for sharing your experiences and your tips with us. I'm pretty sure that whoever is watching would definitely learn something that's closer to you know, understanding what they would like to do with their... Well, it's my pleasure. And uh, again, continue doing this wonderful work. I think it's still amazing that you're 15 
Um, this is just great. And I and thank you for even considering me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode and I'll see you next time.